good morning. How are we doing today? Yeah, good, good. Yeah, well, thank you all for being here. And my name is Isaac Bartholomew. I am one of the pastors. And I just want to welcome all of you, those in the room, those online and out in the atrium. Welcome to this momentous occasion, Student Takeover Weekend. Are we having a good time? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty incredible. Uh, we were sitting up here and watching the band play. Just so you know, this is our student band. And this is what happens every Sunday morning out there in the, in the student center is watching these incredible students lead us in worship. So uh, if, we're, if they're in the room, let's just thank them again for doing that. And it's been incredible to be a part of and watch all of this happen. But uh, I just, can I tell you a little bit about me and what I get to deal with kind of on a daily basis? And uh, thanks. And it's, well, I'm gonna anyway. So, but I, uh, I'm married to Laura. She's amazing. And we have three incredible kids, uh, Avery, Autumn, and Austin. We lovingly call them the A-team. And uh, in our house, we, we, these kids mostly like each other. And I would say mostly they, they play well together some of the time. And, and it's just a blast to watch uh, these kids grow and interact with each other. And, and the A-team, oftentimes it, the situation's like this, like let's pick a Saturday and I'm home and Laura and I are hanging out during the day, maybe doing some yard work or whatever. And the kids are playing on the trampoline and going, you know, they're just having those nice joyous sounds in the yard. And then you'll hear a sound or a, a pop, or a, a slap, or a, a kick, or a something. You'll hear some sort of, like this, the, the fun sounds stop, and then what happens? Yeah, the screaming and the crying begins right about then. And, and then that leads you know, Laura and I to come over as their parents and go, what's going on? What are, what are you guys doing? Why? And we start talking, figuring out the story. And oftentimes the answer is, I don't know. You know, whatever it is. And I don't know what happened. Like, well, okay. What happened is you weren't caring for each other, right? Like you, you didn't encourage one another. You weren't loving each other. And these are, these are words that Laura and I use time and time again. You need to care for your brother and sister. You need, Austin, I know that you're like four and all boy and all you wanna do is tackle everyone. Uh, Autumn doesn't like being tackled. You can tackle me, you know, care for her. And we, these are the kinds of things that we, we, we try to invest these words in our, our kids' lives over and over again. Care, encourage, love, right? Anybody else have to do that with people they know? Even your neighbor? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, I got the, the opportunity this summer to enroll my girls in golf camp. And if you will see this picture of, of them right there, they are. That's Avery on the left and Autumn on the right. And uh, they got to, to be a part of the golf camp in Fort Collins. And it was such an amazing moment for me as a dad and somebody who likes golf because they would come home. And I, when I get home from work, they would come up to me and start talking about all the things that they learned at golf camp that day. They would learn, they would show me their swings. We'd go out in the front yard and they'd swing and take a huge divot out of my perfectly manicured front lawn. And I'd be like, let's go to the back to do that. <laughs> no, but they would show me their swings and we, we, you know, we would walk through what's happened, what they're learning. And then the coolest thing happened. On Friday, I got to go with them to the City Park Nine and walk with them on three holes while they played golf. And so me and a couple other families were walking along with them and we go to the first hole and they tee off and they both hit these great shots right into the middle of the fairway. And I'm like, take notes on that. How do you get it into the middle of the fairway? And so I'm trying to ask the coach questions on the side. No, I'm paying attention to my girls. And so they hit these shots right in the fairway and I was like, wow, that's awesome. And then a few minutes later, 
we walk up to their second to their ball for their second shot. They hit again and again, really good shots right out there further down the, the, the field, right in the middle of the fairway again. I'm going, wow, this is great. And I'm just like full of joy. And I'm thinking, man, I need to do, I just want to encourage them. And I want to say something to them like, hey, great job. And as I'm about to open my mouth, my two girls were on opposite sides of the fairway. They walk closer together. Um, and as they got close together, and I, and I want to say it happened at the same time, but it wasn't exactly the same time, but I would say it this way, neither preempted the other. Like it was almost simultaneous. They looked at each other and they said, hey, great job. That was a really good hit. And they were giving each other high fives and hugging each other. And they were like, in this moment, I was like, whoa, they love each other. Like, ah, it was like, like this picture here of where they, they, like they love each other. They care about one another. They want to engage each other in their adventures together forever. And I'm like, yeah, this is amazing. And then we got in the car and it all went away. No, no, they, they did. They encouraged each other for the rest of their, their golf trip that day, the rest of their round. And um, the only sad part was that my wife wasn't there in that moment to witness that. Like, the good news is we got to, to brag about it later. There was another family that we're friends with that was there. And so when my wife came, I said, Lori, you won't believe this. And, and a miracle happened. And I really feel like, they, like to see these kids get it, to see my kids understand that, that what it means to care for each other, to invest in each other's soul. And that's what they did in that moment. And I thought for just a brief moment, this could not be any better. It was amazing. And, and when I evaluate that, and when I look at what's happening today with our students serving and doing such a great job up here and out there and greeting and doing everything, when I, when I look back on this summer and I look at what's happening with our, our student ministry where they got to go serve in two different places in Denver and South Dakota, which we'll hear about that in a moment, but they, to see them invest in people's lives, I'm feel, filled with hope like I was that day on the golf course. I'm filled with hope because there are a group of people out there that are investing in each other. We have a whole team of volunteers investing in students to, to make a difference in their life as they go out and serve others. I'm filled with hope for that. And I want you all to think for just a minute. Have you, have you ever had anybody intentionally invest in your life and what that looked like? Have you ever had anybody intentionally invest in you or care for a need that you had? And, and when we think about the word invest, I'm gonna say that word invest a ton today, just so you guys know. It's gonna be out there. I don't even know the exact number. We'll count it later. But we're, we're gonna talk about that word quite a bit. And when we typically think of the word invest, we think about what? Money, right? We invest in our stocks and bonds and financials. Well, that's what we typically think about when we think about the word invest. But there are other definitions, other kinds of investments that we have in our life. And let me, let me share one with you. That def, to define invest is this, to devote one's time, effort, and energy to a particular undertaking with the expectation of a worthwhile result. Okay, let me read that again. Ready? To invest to devote one's time, effort, or energy to a particular undertaking with the expectation of a worthwhile result. That's what it means to invest. That's what it means to invest. So we can invest in others. We can invest our time, our energy, our effort into other people for a worthwhile result. And might I say that worthwhile result is them, is that person. We can invest um, 
in so many different ways. And again, I wanna ask you this question. Think about it. Have you ever had someone intentionally invest in you for your success or a care or a need that you had? Okay, think about who it is. Maybe it's a coworker. When you first started a job and this coworker helped you get up to speed, showed you where things were at, including the bathroom on your first day. It's really important. You know where that is. And then, you know, but they, they helped you get under, under, uh, under the, I'm sorry, they helped you get going with <laughs> where you were going. And so the coworker, maybe it was a college roommate that helped you with an assignment or a project that you had to do. I can relate to that one. My college roommate was a finance major. I did not pass accounting without him just so you know. <laughs> um, maybe it was a friend that introduced you to your spouse. And in all these situations, and I've got many more, but there, there, there's people investing time, expertise, a skill or care. Maybe it was a mentor or an instructor, that their teacher, they, get, they invested some wisdom or skill on your life. Maybe it was a coach that invested some inspiration for you. Maybe it was somebody that legitimately invested money into you for a scholarship or tuition, or you went on a mission trip and they helped you raise support for that. Maybe it was a parent that helped you with a life decision. Maybe you as a parent asked your parent how to parent. It's a lot of parenting going on there. But so that, that's an investment. Maybe somebody invested time and attention by just simply sitting down with you over a cup of coffee to talk through the tough space that you've been in. Think about that spot again. Where was that time for you where somebody invested in you? Everybody got it? Well, how about this? When, when, you, when you think back to that moment, how does it make you feel knowing that somebody invested something like that, something deep and personal for you? How did that make you feel? Did it, did it make you feel maybe special, honored, believed in, humbled, right? Those are all, like, that's a great feeling when you, when you come to that spot and you realize, this person helped me. It's incredible. But let me ask another question. But... Have you ever been in a spot where you needed someone to invest and there was no one? Have you ever been in that spot where you needed care and, and, and there was just silence? How did that make you feel? Maybe lonely, isolated, cynical, did you get angry? You see, if I'm, if I'm honest with you all, I believe that second that second reality is more true for us here than the first. That there's a lot more times available for people to not be invested in than, the, than there are times when people are intentionally investing in others. And I'm not, just, I'm not talking about crossroads, I'm just talking about in life, in America, because did you know the number one issue that Americans deal with today, bar none, the number one thing that we deal with in America is loneliness. It's loneliness, despite the fact that you're more connected than, you've ever, than we've ever been as a, as, a, as a culture. You have the entire world on your phone, in your pocket, all the time. Despite that fact, we deal with loneliness more than any other. We also have uh, some other scenarios that are playing into this that, that maybe like, we have only 18% of the Northern Colorado population attend a church. And so they're feeling lonely and isolated and they're not engaging in any type of community. So 18%, that means 82% are not. Think about that, 82%.
There's lots of opportunity to help, to invest, to care for people. The, young, the younger generations, youth and young adults are leaving church in record numbers. Do you know that by, by their 13th birthday, nearly 8 million people will have left the church? People that have grown up with any kind of Christian background, they'll leave. And so we have this loneliness issue and no f- people not finding community, community anywhere. And we have an incredible opportunity to invest in people. And with people feeling alone and isolated, we need to adopt this intentional action of care and investment. There's so many that, that have need out there to know that God loves them and has a plan for them. And we need to be able to help that, to step into that space. How will we do that? How will they know? Because we care. When they see us care, when they see us reaching out to try to invest in them, that's how they will know. Let me say it this way. This is a, the, the one point of my entire talk is this. The way we care about people is to invest. Say it with me now. Ready? The way we care about people is to invest. And in fact, I'm going to say that phrase a number of times through the rest of our, my talk this morning. And I want, to say, I want to ask you to do this. Whenever I say this phrase and we get to the end, I want you to say that word invest. Okay? So let's try it. I'll, I'll read the first part and you say the word invest. Ready? The way we care about people is to All right, let's try one more time. The way that we care about people is to? That's right. And whenever, so, and I'm gonna say this, this is not just a a Sunday morning Crossroads Church thing. I just want you all to understand this. The way that we care about people is to invest not at Crossroads, but out there. You guys understand that? Out there. Let's try it again. The way we care about people is to? Out there. That's right. Out there. Because that's what we, we want to see it. And I'll, I'll steal a line from our new lead pastor, Ryan Howell, who will be joining us here shortly. He says it this way. You should never invite anybody to church until you've invited them to have dinner at your house. Why? Because that shows care. That shows investment. That shows relationship. To invest. Take time, energy, and effort to invest. But let me say this. Before I get into the out there too much, I do need to say this. If you're in the room and you're struggling with some sort of care or need and you need support, I I first want to say it this way. You are not alone in your pain. Everybody hear that and look at me if you need to. Everyone in the room, you are not alone in your pain. First of all, God is with you. And secondly, so are we. So are we. We have... Well, we have lots of different opportunities and ways to care and support you. We have Stephen ministers who do an incredible job of walking that journey with you and listening and, and, and talking through whatever problem you need to discuss. They are there for you. That's Stephen ministry. We also have Celebrate Recovery for hurts, hangups, and habits. And they will do, they meet here on Friday nights and they have a great time to talk through ways to get through the 12-step program, but also small groups to encourage you in your walk. We also have, um, we have care groups like Divorce Care, uh, Grief Share. We have that group as well. Not to mention, we also have a special needs ministry, not only for people with special needs, but for their caregivers. A whole team of people working to help those with special needs. And we have an incredible prayer team that takes great delight in being able to pray with and for you for whatever you need. So if you have something that you want help with, 
please reach out. And you can take that step today. You can come find me after, or you can go to the, the Welcome Center, and they have a whole bunch of resources there or at the next step. But there's that. We need to take intentional action to care and seek to support those around us, to love one another. And again, the way we care about people is to... That was a little, come on, we can do a little better. The way we care about people is to? Very good, very good. So, and I wanna say this, it's invest in all people, all generations, no matter where we're at. That is what we're trying to do, to invest that way. And let's look at what God has to say about it through his prophet Micah. And if you have your Bible, you can turn to Micah. It's in the Old Testament, towards the end of the Old Testament. You can look it up on your Bible app, on your phone if you like, or you can just follow along on the screen right here or in your message notes. But Micah 6, 8 says this, but he's already made it plain how to live, what to do what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love and walk humbly with your God. Wow. Well, that doesn't sound so bad, right? If this is what God wants us to do, to be compassionate and loyal in our love and to do what's fair and just for our neighbors, I think I can handle that, right? To care for those around you. This isn't a huge ask. It's just to look and care and, and, and look out for what people need. And it doesn't have to be some big deal. This doesn't have to be change the world in one fail swoop. It can be a simple, random act of kindness as a way to care for people and to invest in their lives. I heard this story this week about uh, Dutch Brothers Coffee. Um, any, anybody love coffee? I mean, there you go. Some of you. Well, good. That leaves more for me. Um, but Dutch Brothers is a traditional drive through coffee place. Like they don't have a lot of, they don't have any indoor seating. Have Some of them have outdoor seating, but it's, it's basically a drive-through. And uh, there's, a, there's a woman who um, goes to Dutch Brothers every single morning on her way to work. And unfortunately in her life, she had tragedy strike. She lost her husband and they were a young family, had young kids and her husband passed away. And uh, she took some time off of work, but on her first day back to work, she said to herself, I need a little bit of normalcy in my life. And she drove to her Dutch brothers to do the drive-through, ordered her drink that she always ordered. And as she finished ordering her drink, she pulled forward a little bit. Another car pulled in behind her, so she was blocked in, car in front, car behind. And at that moment, all of the emotion of her life and the shambles that we're in flooded down on her. She started to cry. And I mean, big cry, everything. If she could have jumped the curb to escape, she would have done it in that moment and she just couldn't. She couldn't get away. And so as she pulled forward, her window was still down um, and, and she was gonna just pull through the window. She was just gonna go, not paid, just get out of there, go home and, and try to recover. And so she, here she is, a, a mess, and, and the woman sees what's happened. The, the barista at the window sees what's happened, and she sticks her head out as she's coming forward, sticks the cup in her window so she can't get through and says, there's no charge today, ma'am. And, and, the, and she takes the cup, and this is what it said at the top of the cup. As she pulled through, her, her, her big sobbing tears turned into weeping and tears of understanding and feeling loved, feeling cared for, and dare I say, invested in. A simple, random act of kindness. It doesn't have to be a big deal. It can be in a moment to invest, to care for people. So again, the way we care about people is to invest. 
Yeah, Micah says that pretty well in, in Micah 6, 8, but also, uh, you know, in Matthew, Jesus says something really very similar. And in Jesus, uh, this way, in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. This is the most important and the first on any list. But there's a second to set alongside it. Love others as well as you love yourself. These two commands are pegs. Everything in God's law and the prophets hangs on them. Jesus put it pretty simple, to love God and to love others. These two things. These two things. And this summer, our students had the opportunity a couple of different ways to to practice those two things of loving God and loving others. And we're going to hear about those stories now. So would you uh, give give a round of applause for Emily and our team? Awesome. So we have two of our awesome girl students. One is in high school, one is in middle school. They're going to introduce themselves, and then we're going to tell you guys about our trips. I'm Stella Cabrera. I'm going to Bertha High School in ninth grade. I'm Sophia Perez. I'm going into seventh grade, and I'm going to Kennard Middle School. Awesome. So, Stella, we're going to start with you. Why did you want to go on a mission trip to Mission South Dakota out of all places? Um... I've always wanted to do something that involved the church, whether it was small groups or volunteering. And my sister and I were outside and you announced that there were gonna be mission trips and you kind of talked about them a little. And we just looked at each other and nodded and knew that that was something we were gonna do this summer. Awesome. So what were your expectations going into the trip? Well, I had three main expectations. I expected it to take me like, a while before I was comfortable with the other people on the team because I went into the trip not knowing anybody. And I expected to get a really hard job, but when we got there, we got one of the hardest jobs. Um, So I don't think any of us were really expecting to finish in time. And I was expecting the Lakota culture to be a lot different than ours, but it wasn't as much of a culture shock. The main shocking thing was that our resident had Facebook. <laughs> yep, he sure did. So um, what do we do on the trip, Stella? So we show up here, we get this really hard project. Can you tell us like, kind of what it all entailed? Yeah. Um, we built two six-by-eight-foot uh, freestanding porches and a 24-foot wheelchair ramp. And then we had to build the frames, lay decking, um, and then had time to like beautify it and like uncover an old brick pathway and use other decorations and furniture to decorate it. It was awesome watching Stella like go deep into these like two foot holes digging out and she like comes out covered in mud. She worked really hard. It was awesome. So Stella, how did you see God work while we were there? Um, two ways. Um, one was just that how he like bonded our team like really fast and like um, like built new and really strong relationships between us and a lot of us still talk often and um, I made like one of my closest friends and best friends out there and in just one week I feel closer to Elisha than I do like some friends that I'd known for a couple years. There's one other thing you said you said too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, the past year I had a construction class and we were building an escape room and um, 
I volunteered to be on the construction team, and my teacher chose all the guys in the class and told me I should be on the paint team. So that kind of like had me nervous going into the trip because I didn't think I'd be much help having no experience. <laughs> and <laughs> um, but like God was able to help me and like use me and give me confidence to be able to try and be able to help on the construction team. Awesome, thanks, so. <laughs> And she definitely kicked butt building, like watching her like help with the frames and use the drills and all that stuff. I was thoroughly impressed. So if you ever need Stella for some help, give her a call. But so last question for you, coming back, what is your biggest takeaway on the personal impact on your life? Like what did God teach you that you want to carry with you? Um, before the trip, I'd always just like wonder if God was really there, if heaven was just this empty space that we're all just believing in. Um, but like after seeing how close we all became friends and um, how fast we all became friends and um, how we got one of the hardest jobs and finished it in five days and our shy resident opening up about his past, it kind of just like showed me that God is real and is there. Awesome, thank you, Stella. (laughs) Sophia, you ready? Can you handle it? You got this? All right, there you go. So, um, oh, why did you want to go on a long, 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 long trek all the way to Denver? Um, I wanted to experience something new, and I love helping people that don't always have their needs met, and I love the fuzzy feeling of helping. She does love that fuzzy feeling of helping others. It was great to watch her. So what were your expectations going into the trip? Uh, my expectations of going into this trip were working in an air-conditioned building, like a food bank, and um, I also expected <laughs> to be kind of alone because I really didn't know anybody. Yep, she only knew her brother and cousin really going in, into the trip, so it was cool to watch her like branch out, but... Sophia, what exactly did like we do on the trip? Like, how did it all start? When you showed up on Monday morning, like, what was the status of the site? So we were working outside in a community garden, and we were building a butterfly garden. And we um, we started planting flowers on the last day and putting down fertilizer on the first day. We also built a sprinkler system all around the garden. And we also had some other people build fences. Sweet. Um, So how did you see God work while in Denver? Um, I saw God working because um, my fear of being alone was kind of taken away. Because we started to be like a family by the end of the week. I also saw him working because we were pretty negative about our project because we didn't really... This was not really what we expected, but we started to challenge ourselves to be positive, and I saw him working through us in that. Awesome. Thanks, Sophia. So coming back from the trip, what is your biggest takeaway or greatest impact on your life? Um, I started to really trust God more because I know he always has a plan for us because we didn't feel like we were going to finish our project, but we did by the end of the week, so I know I can always trust him. Awesome. Thanks, Sophia. Thanks, Stella.
the girls and the rest of the team did amazing work um, on the trip and they learned so much from the Lord and just seeing him work through, like as I was saying, our shy resident Vic, he has a lot on his past and a bunch of stuff and he just really opened up and shared his story with us and who he is um, and his hurts and his pains um, and it's really cool getting to know him and then seeing our middle schoolers and some of our high schoolers work with Dr. Cheryl of Feeding Many, the ministry that we were partnered with in Denver. It was so cool just to see them open up and get positive because we all did expect to be in a food bank and they show up and there's no shade, sun's beating down some of the hottest days in Denver. And so they did amazing. Yeah. Let's give it up for them again. Yeah. <clears throat> it was pretty incredible. I got to go on both of those trips and, and they did those projects. They did these two. These were not easy, slight projects. These were big deals. So just so you know, student ministry will be renting ourselves out to build decks and irrigation projects. If you should need that, I'm just kidding. But the way that we care about people is to invest. And I will say this, that, that trip, those trips were investment opportunities for sure in all kinds of ways. And I could not be more proud of our students and the hard work that they put in and to see the impact that they had in those around them, not only in their team, but uh, to the people we impacted in those communities. So thank you for that. And um, when they, these students also had the, they, they invested in perfect strangers, quite frankly. And, and when we do that, when we take that opportunity to invest in people, it not only changes the people that we're investing in, it changes us. It changes us. And if we're to be the, the beacon of hope and love of God in, the, in northern Colorado, we need to care for people. We need to love people. We need to invest in them. And I, I know this is scary. It's scary because not, not every person thinks like me. Not every person looks like me. Not every person acts like me. But every person is made in the image of our God. And they deserve it. They need it. Just like you needed it at one point. If you remember back to my first question, like was there ever a time when you needed somebody to invest in you? What if you could be that person to invest in them? I, uh, I go to a gym that, and I work out three times a week there. And when I started at this gym, I, I didn't know many of the people there. And in fact, most of these people I wouldn't necessarily hang out with on a daily basis. They're not, I just, it was, it's a different group of people. But you know what? I got in there and I got to know them and I got encouraged by them. I got to encourage them and I would, I have no problem calling them my tribe today. The thing I look most forward to in the morning when that alarm goes off at five in the morning is to get up and go see my friends that I get to work out with because I know it's gonna be hard but I know they're gonna be there to encourage me. And so sometimes you just gotta step out in that scary space of not knowing people to invest in what's happening in their life. And what if, what if, we as a community, we're more known for what we're about, which is loving and caring for people than what we are against. What kind of impact will we have, not just here in Northern Colorado, but the entire world, if that became our mantra, that we are known for caring about people? Because the way we care about people is to invest. invest. That's right. So uh, sports teams mascots are kind of funny. I love looking at them, and I always, I used to collect hats. Uh, I had to throw a bunch of them away when I got married, but I used to collect hats with all these, because <laughs> they're ridiculous. I had all these different mascots out there, but sports team mascots, typically, uh, they run with some type of competitive nature or dominance theme, right? You know, if you think about, like, uh, some historical figures like the Spartans, yeah, we're the Spartans, we're going to kill you, and you want to say, you're a university, you're not supposed to kill anyone. You know, like it's, you know, or, or maybe it's a nature theme. Like you have tigers and bears and lions. Oh my, all that thing. You know, like there's, there's these, those are the types of themes. Some sports mascots tell a story kind of like this one. 
Yep, that's an actual mascot of a legitimate university here in America called, uh, well, does anybody know what that is, what that mascot was? Banana Banana slug, that's right, it's a banana slug. And it's from the University of California at Santa Cruz. And uh, they, they used the banana slug as their mascot. Back in the 1980s, UC Santa Clara decided that when they were starting to get involved in the competitive sports world of, of NCAA sports, they were, they were getting into that. But they didn't, they didn't like the fierce competitive nature that was being associated with the sports culture of, of universe, other universities. So they purposefully picked the banana slug. If we got there, there it is. As their actual mascot. So that, they, that, that other people would know, you know, we're not necessarily about that. We're about this. We want to be a university this way. They, they took a creative approach to say, this is what we're for. This is what we are for. And, and so when, when I have this question is, what type of community will we be? What type of community will we be known for? One that's known for caring, one that's known for investing? Will we, will we be a community that's known for loving people? And how will they know that? How will people know that this is what we're about? Well, in John 13, Jesus says it this way. Let me give you a new command. Love one another. In the same way I loved you, you love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. I'll say that again. When they see the love that you have for each other. That's how they'll know what type of community we are, what type of people we are. When they see the love that we have for one another. A few years ago, um, I used to meet with a friend of mine weekly he was, uh, he's a manager of a Starbucks, and we used to get together and, and sit down at a different Starbucks, not the one he managed, but at a different one. We'd sit there, and we'd get a French press, and, uh, and we'd talk about leadership. And we were both young in our careers, and we would sit there, and we would, we would discuss ways to become better leaders. We were sharpening each other in that time. And I always noticed this, though, about his store. Whenever I would go to his store, I always felt different in there. I always felt more cared for, more invested in, more loved. And I couldn't figure out why. At the end of the day, it's a Starbucks. I'm going to get a black cup of coffee and then I'm going to leave. Why do you care so much that I'm in here? And so I at one time in one of these meetings with Patrick, I sat down and I got really bold. And I looked across the table at him and I said, Patrick, I just got to ask this question. Why is it whenever I go to your Starbucks that I feel more loved and more cared for than any other coffee shop in the country. Why is that? I mean, at the end of the day, you're just selling me a $5 cup of coffee. Is it that big a deal just to, to take my money and go? Why is it that I feel this way when I come into your store? And Patrick leaned in on the table and he pushed the, that French press to the side and he moved his cup over and he looked directly in the eye and said, because we, at, at my store, at our store, when people walk in, it might be the best five minutes of their day. And we're going to deliver it to them. And I will never, ever forget that moment when I felt, oh my gosh, here's a guy who gets it. 
Here's someone who understands what it means to care for other people on the simple premise that they deserve it, that we should. Can you, can we be the best five minutes of someone's day today, this week? Can we do that? On the bottom of your, of your program, I've given you some space and would love you to answer this question, to think, it about, think about it. You don't have to answer it right now. Just You can think about it. You can put it down if you know it or if you wanna wait and put it down later. What is one way that you can invest in somebody this week? What is one way that you can be the best five minutes of someone's day? You know, and it might be, uh, it might be at the grocery store. When you're there and you see a mom walking through, carrying three or four kids, trying to figure out how to get everything in the basket and while kids are throwing stuff out of the basket and, uh, and, and you just walk up in that, in that scenario and you smile real big at her and say, it's okay, and you help her pick things up back in the basket. It might be uh, leaving work just a little bit early so you can get home to see your child play, perform, or compete. It might be um, your friends that are going through a divorce that you give them a phone call, you show up, maybe you help someone move or, or work on their house for them. It might be a, a classmate that's being bullied and you need to step in for them. Maybe they're being teased and you need to take it from them. Maybe it's a grandchild that you need, they need to hear your special words of encouragement. Maybe it's seeing your coworker struggling with a project and you offer at some expense and effort to you to take time to help them complete that project. Maybe your neighbor is dealing with a tragedy and you need to take them a meal or mow their lawn or both. Maybe it's a phone call to, to someone letting them know that you're there and that you care about them. Maybe it's a kind note to your, your kid's teacher just thanking them for investing in your child. And there are multiple ways that you all, that we, that I, that all of us can be the best five minutes of someone's day. Because the way that we care about people is to? The way that we care about people is to? Through simple acts, love God, love others and try to be the best five minutes of someone's day. May we be a community that is known for caring and loving people because of how we invest in those around us. Would you pray with me? God, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity you've given to us to care and invest in those around us. And God, I pray for whatever opportunities are out there that that you would give us a heart and a vision to see those opportunities where we can reach out and care for those around us, to invest in those who need it because you first loved us, that we could show the love to those around us, God. And God, I just ask too that that you would help us to see all the ways that we can care about people the way that you do. It's your name we pray, amen.